Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hey everyone, Matt Straup here welcoming you to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. Before we get started, quickly wanted to let you know that the next handful of Tuesday episodes will be hosted by George Bissell. You've heard him on the show a number of times already this season, and he will be covering for me the next few weeks. Meanwhile, today on the show, we'll hit a little bit of uh, Major League Baseball draft talk later on, but first we're going to talk prospects, recently graduated prospects, that is, checking in on the big names that have been called up this season and their fantasy outlooks the rest of the way. Chris Crawford is with me today. Chris, I think we have to begin with Austin Riley, who has hit an astonishing eight home runs in his first 16 Major League games, also hitting 349 with 22 RBIs. Now, we talked about this guy a few weeks ago. And if I recall correctly, we predicted exactly this would happen. <laughs> yep, we uh, we hit the nail on the head. Um, it's it's kind of crazy. I mean, you're a Braves fan. Have any of these home runs been cheapies? No, no, sir. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing how hard this guy is hitting the baseball right now. And the, the numbers are just insane. Seems like we're writing about him every day in our blurbs just because... If, if he's not homering, he's doubling, or if he's getting some kind of hits. The only kind of concern I have with Riley right now is that I would like to see a few more walks, but it's it's such a nitpicky thing because if he's getting strikes to hit, and he certainly is, I mean, he's certainly taking advantage of the pitches that he's getting. He's driving the ball to all fields. This is a special talent. I will caution on top of the non-walks, we have seen Riley in the past go through some droughts, some power droughts, some issues with contact. And that's part of what happens when you're a free swinger. And Riley has been a free swinger for most of his career. So yes, there will be some regression because there has to be some regression. And maybe it'll be even more than regression and we'll see some slumps. But this guy's legit. Yeah, and I mean, three walks, 23 strikeouts his first 16 games. So that's not ideal, but he was walking at AAA. Sure. Uh, had a 377 on base percentage with 18 walks in 37 games there. So, you know, there's a chance that the regression also is a positive in the sense that he starts walking a bit more. For sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, the guy's a beast. I don't, I don't know what else there really is to say. Um, uh, he he's a, a big human who who hits <laughs> hits ball hits ball very hard. <laughs> I think it's I think it's worth pointing out too that he's looked much better in the outfield than I expected him to. hasn't gotten a ton of chances and, and it's early, but he tracks the ball well. It's clear that he has an acumen for there. I think that's been a really big development. I think he just might stick with the major league team for some reason. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, he he's committed a few errors, but I think he has to just be competent out there for sure um, exactly. to, to stay in the lineup because that bat, it, obviously. Uh, they're not benching Josh Johnson. And they're not benching <laughs> Riley. So he's playing somewhere. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, after hitting 146 in his first 11 games as a major leaguer, panic you know across the universe for <laughs> Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He is now hitting 306. He has hit 306 with six home runs in his last 19 games. Now I'm wondering, Chris, because of that slow start, you know, his season stat line isn't knock you over incredible. It's not in Austin Riley territory. He's at 248 with those six home runs and 12 RBIs in 30 games total. You think there's a universe where you can slightly buy low here? I mean, I don't want to imply that fantasy owners aren't smart and don't know what's going on, but but is there any way to sort of play off of that stat line in trade talks? I think maybe a little bit, especially if you've got a guy who's not paying real close attention and just sees what those numbers are and not seeing one that he's been crushing the ball lately. And really that he's been crushing the ball since he got called up. It just was going in the gloves of other players. I cannot tell you. How many times I've seen this guy make hard contact only for it to end up in an infielder's glove or into a corner outfielder's glove because it was just bad luck. And maybe he was kind of due for it considering the guy was hitting like 440 at this point last year in the minor leagues. Something ridiculous along those lines. He's one of the best offensive prospects I've ever scouted. He's going to be just fine. If someone is foolish enough to put him on the market based on his slow start over 11 games, take advantage of it. He's he's a really, really good offensive player who's going to help you in every category but steals. I would absolutely jump on that. What do you think his home run ceiling is this season or, or you know, sort of ballpark home run ceiling? I mean, do you think what number, when I just say that to you, what number comes to mind for you? The, the first number that came into my mind was 30. I don't think he's going to get to 30 this year, but I think he's going to be in that 30 to 35 pace Long term, I think he could really be a 40 homer guy, especially with the added emphasis on driving the ball in the air that major league teams have now. Uh, and the rare guy who can do that without striking out a ton and hitting for a high average. But this year, I would expect him to be that homer once every five, six games type of pace. And you can certainly do a lot worse than that. Michael Chavis hit 283 with 10 home runs and 25 RBIs in his first 28 games. He then hit 176 with no home runs and 17 strikeouts his next nine games, including a 440 OPS during that rough stretch. Are you worried, Chris, that the league has has figured something out with Chavis, or do you more than that believe in the talent and see this as simply a slump? I think it's a little bit of both. I do think this is a little bit of slump, but the, the number you just mentioned, I mean, if you take a look at his last few games— there are so many two and three strikeout games that your batting average has to drop with that because even though the ball, like I said, jumps off this dude's bat, there's only so much, so many chances to jump off your bat when you're striking out that much. I think pitchers have sort of figured out that uh, you could take advantage of his aggressiveness a little bit, a little weaker on stuff on the outside, a little weaker on secondary pitches. You cannot challenge that guy with a fastball. I think pitchers have figured out real quick because he will take advantage of it. I don't think that Chavis is a bad option for 2019. I think he's more of a long-term play than a short-term play though. And if somebody is still willing to offer you something good for Michael Chavis right now, and there probably is, and there probably should be because of his second base, uh, the ability to put him in your lineup at second base and third base, probably, I would probably take advantage of it and look to explore some other areas on your roster. Certainly not a bad guy to have on your roster, but if you can, 
get something valuable for him, I'd absolutely explore it. Aloy Jimenez, uh, not a guy who got called up uh, during the season, per se. He, of course, started the season with the White Sox. But I wanted to talk about him because he really hasn't met fantasy owners' expectations yet. A two twenty eight average with six home runs and 13 RBIs, 40 strikeouts in 127 at-bats. He did, of course, miss nearly a month with an ankle injury. So, you know, you give him somewhat of a pass there. But, I mean, are you optimistic that Jimenez will figure it out and become a viable fantasy asset in the months that remain this season? Absolutely. And I think we've started to see some adjustments, a uh, few multi-hit games in the last few. Another guy who he's always going to strike out quite a bit because he has some length in his swing. But I think his ability to make hard contact to all parts of the field mean that average is going to go up quite a bit. We've seen the power. He got off to such a horrible start, especially actually now that I'm remembering uh, that he he really struggled with hitting four extra base hits in power to begin the year. The fact that he's already gotten up to six, especially after missing all that time, is actually pretty impressive. I He was my number two prospect coming into the year right behind Vlad Jr. I, I have zero doubt that he's going to be a uh, a worthwhile fantasy roster and a guy to put in your starting lineup down the stretch. He's He's just too talented for me to take out. So we both kind of laughed when I sort of half suggested a universe where you could buy low on Vlad Jr. But I do think it's, you know, it's not silly at all to think that Jimenez is a legit buy low and someone you could probably get, you know, at a fraction of his draft day cost at this point. Wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, absolutely. If if people are uh, are giving up and you see that quite a bit, I think, at this time of the year, um, that guys just take a look at the stats and assume if they if they haven't been paying as much attention as you have. Take advantage of that and and make offers for players like that because they could pay big dividends in the long run, especially when Jimenez is going to get a chance to face uh, some really terrible pitching staffs down the stretch. I really, really like Jimenez's chance of being fantasy relevant. Nick Senzel has been good so far for the Reds. I mean, ultimately, 276 with four home runs and five stolen bases. He's been a bit streaky, though, picking up those homers and steals in bunches. He got four of those steals during a five-game stretch in May. He also hit three homers in his first four games, then just one in his next 23 games. Now, obviously, we expected you know a pretty nice combo of power and speed from Senzel. But how much of both do you think we should expect to see going forward? You know, that's a good question. And I think the thing with the steals is I do kind of wonder how much they're going to be a little bit cautious because of his injury history that they may want to be may want to limit that and do have those spurts where he runs more and spurts where he runs less the homers I'm not too worried about especially playing his home games in that ballpark I think and his ability to hit for power to all fields I think that's going to be just fine I, I expect some streakiness just because I'm repeating myself here but they're all rookies are going to have streakiness. It's it's just natural. There's no way to simulate what they're facing right now. So there are going to be times where there's super highs and super lows. But I think Nick Senzel is going to be just fine. I've been impressed with his approach. I've been impressed with what he's been able to do. Especially, honestly, it's been great to see how good he's looked in center field defensively. That's a position that's really new to him. The fact that he's been able to play it so well early on is a real boon and a real credit to what type of talent this guy is. I think he is one of those rare guys who can help you in every fantasy category. May not help you in steals as much this year, just because I do think they may be a little more cautious with him. But long term, I think that there's a lot of value there. Yeah, it's funny. There was a minute there 
a couple weeks ago where I was like, oh, cool, he's going to steal 30 bases this year. But <laughs> we should maybe adjust to something more like 15, yeah, perhaps. Right. Exactly. Uh, Brendan Rodgers of the Rockies hit 297 with seven RBIs in his first 12 games. His playing time, though, has been a bit sporadic at second base. Do you think he's got a shot to more permanently overtake Ryan McMahon and become a consistent fantasy factor? Or do you think we're in for more frustration going forward? <laughs> in any other organization, I'd tell you absolutely. <laughs> but I don't really get what the Rockies are doing. And I've been saying this for a few years now, unfortunately, because they have this great system and they clearly develop talent well. There's lots of really exciting bats and some really exciting arbs now there too. But they're really weird about their playing time with young players. I think we saw... Garrett Hampson not get a very good shake to begin this year. Heck, we've seen McMahon not get a, get a very good shake last year and at times this year. It's it's a really weird organization that uh, clearly has a, a preference for the veteran guy, but also seems to not mind having young players on the bench. They seem to think there's a, a bit of a learning experience there. I think it's a mistake. I think if Rodgers is up, he should be playing every day. This is a 22-year-old who is one of the best prospects in baseball, he needs to play. He needs to be in the lineup every day. I don't get what uh, the Rockies see in keeping him on the bench, but it, it's it's frustrating because I cannot guarantee you that Rodgers will be an everyday player, even though he really should be. If he does get that chance, then he's absolutely fantasy relevant. It's just tough to recommend a backup middle infielder right now for fantasy relevance in 2019. I think I almost just got you angry there talking about Brendan Rodgers. Like, <laughs> yeah. That was the closest you've been in the number of times we've done this show together. <laughs> oh, maybe next time. So, you know, it sounds like the answer is expect more frustration in the near future. Unfortunately, yes. Griffin Canning of the Angels had a 3.06 ERA and 0.96 whip through his first six starts, nine walks, and 34 strikeouts in his first 32 and a third major league innings. Is this better than you expected from Canning? Is this about what you expected from Canning? Is it time to run and add him where available? He's rostered in 39% of Yahoo Leagues as we speak. Uh, you're going to get me angry again because that number's too low as well. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big Canning fan. There's, uh, there's a lot to like here. He's been really impressive. I've been really impressed. This is what we saw at UCLA when he was a prospect down there too. A guy who would have been probably a top 15 pick if not for some arm issues. But his ability to keep hitters off balance and really change the hitter's eyes with not only with putting his pitches uh, up in the zone or down in the zone, but also with arm angle. It's it's really something that can give hitters frustration. I think you're going to see a little bit of regression as hitters become more comfortable picking up those arm slots. But the stuff is legit. The command is legit. And he's he's feel for pitching. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people about him. It's it's up there, and the fact that he's already up doing what he's doing is really impressive. Maybe a little bit of regression going on, but I think he's going to miss enough bats, uh, throw enough strikes, and get enough quality innings for a so-so Angels team that he's absolutely worth a fantasy roster addition. Just two earned runs uh, in his last three starts over 19 innings for Canning. Brandon Lau of the Rays has been really good overall uh, when you just look at you know, the, the first layer of numbers, a 276 average with 11 home runs, 35 RBIs and three steals in his first 51 games. However, he does have 73 strikeouts against just 15 walks. Any concerns, Chris, about all those strikeouts adversely affecting Lau's production in the long run? Yeah, I think there is a little bit of con- at least a little bit of concern could be a lot of concern, obviously making a lot of hard contact when he does make contact. But like I was talking about earlier, when you have that much swing and miss in your game, 
it's very, very difficult to hit for a high average. There are a few guys who can do it. Lau seems to have the talent to do it, but at this age and considering his lack of experience, this would be a guy for, at least for redraft leagues, I'd be looking to sell high on it. Especially people who take just take a look at those numbers and see something special. If you could get a solid infielder back or an outfielder back, whatever you need, and you could get somebody to help with your pitching staff, that'd be a trade I'd be looking to make. I, I really like Lau. If, if nobody offers what you want, it, there are certainly worse guys to have on your fantasy roster. But I would be worried about some regression with that much swing and miss. That's a really good point by you. I, it's really hard to hit for a high average when you are not putting the ball in play as often as Lau is. Kevin Biggio hasn't been in the majors for very long, did pick up a homer and a steal in his first seven games, uh, only 23% rostered in Yahoo. Do you like his chance of being something more than just a deep league asset going forward, or do you think deep league asset is really what he is at this point? For 2019, I think he's probably just deep league asset. A guy who has really made big improvements over the last couple of years, but I do think there'll be a little bit of an adjustment period. It's worth pointing out that he was a guy who was actually struggling before he got called up, was hitting something like 245, 250 in the month of May before he did receive that call up. And he's got a long swing. He had contact issues last year, has a really good approach at the plate, as you often see sons of uh, Hall of Famers, other than (laughs) Vlad Jr., uh, who is the exact opposite of that, actually, in that regard. But, But most of the time, these guys have a really good idea of what they're doing. His power's really developed. And he's also improved as a second baseman. Uh, He was also playing some outfield with uh, AAA before he got called up, or they were talking about doing it more. That that could be a position that uh, he starts to play a little bit. Adding some roster flexibility would make me feel a lot more confident about having him on my roster. But even as a second baseman, the fact that he can steal some bases, he's a super smart base runner, even though he only has little bit above average speed and he definitely has power from the left side so that definitely makes him fantasy relevant it's just he might give you a little kink in the armor with uh, the batting average being a little low but a speculative ad but be prepared to have a drop in a couple weeks as well are you excited about him in the long term beyond you know beyond this year for sure yeah absolutely he was one of my top 100 prospects that i added just a couple of weeks ago Uh, i think he's gonna be a guy who gets on base hits for power, and should be able to stick at second base. Staying in the middle infield is hard, but with the way the shift works now, I think he should be able to uh, be just good enough to handle that. And I think that Blue Jays lineup with him and Bo Bichette and Vlad Guerrero has a chance to be something special. The Blue Jays are not fun to watch right now, but they definitely have something (laughs) special building. All right, quickly before we get out of here, I wanted to talk for a minute about the Major League Baseball draft, which of course got underway on Monday. As the Roto World Prospects guru, Chris, I want to get your thoughts on which players we might see on the fast track or faster track to the big leagues and how quickly we could see them. Obviously, Oregon State catcher Adley Rutschman is the first name that maybe jumps out. Who else is in that mix for you in terms of guys we could see in the majors sooner rather than later? For sure. Uh, Adley Rutschman, obviously, just real quick, uh, one of the best catching prospects that I've been able to scout uh, probably since Buster Posey. Chance to hit for average and power from both sides of the plate. No concern about switching positions unless a team moved him to third base or something like that to maximize his offensive value. Uh, Andrew Vaughn, a first baseman out of Cal, has just put up monster numbers in Berkeley. Uh, Chance to hit for average, chance to hit for power. The concern there is right-handed first baseman have a history of not living up to expectations. So that's something to keep an eye on. This is one of the weakest pitching classes I've seen in my 
10 to 15 or how many ever years I've been doing this. Uh, but I really like a kid, Alec Manoa, who's at uh, West Virginia, built more like a small forward than a pitcher, 6'6", 260, but 98 mile per hour fastball plus slider and good changeup. He's a guy that I'd be taking a look at as well. And then on the high school side, Bobby Witt Jr. Yes, you are getting old. Yes, that is the son of former (laughs) Texas pitcher Bobby Witt. Some people call him the best shortstop prospect since Alex Rodriguez. I think that's nuts. I would call him the best shortstop prospect since Carlos Correa, though, a guy who has a chance to hit, be a five-tool player. I'd actually call Witt Jr. the best fantasy prospect from this draft just because Rutschman is more high floor than high ceiling. I think you're just piling on with the yes, you are getting old, considering that we already had a Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. sighting on this episode. Oh, that's, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, that is about it for us. Uh, a reminder to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen, and rate and review as well. DJ Short and Drew Silver are back with their regularly scheduled episode later this week. And as I said, George Bissell will be stepping in to host for me the next few weeks on Tuesdays. If you want to follow us on Twitter, he is at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. I am at Matt Straub. Thanks, everyone, for listening, Chris. Great stuff, as always. Thank you for taking the time. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye, guys. Do summer projects your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. With free delivery on over 2 million items, you can make the most of summer grilling and dig into gardening. Plus, get same-day delivery on thousands of products like power tools and storage to tackle any last-minute garage project. Summer your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.